Welcome to the WP SEO Show, brought to you by SEO Hive, your proactive white label SEO partner. The WP SEO Show is all about talking WordPress and SEO from optimizations, structures, setups, and plugins. We explore how to make your WordPress website perform better in the search engines. Here are your hosts, Pete Everett and Jeff Patch. Hello and welcome to the WP SEO Show. I am your co-host, Jeff, here with my co-host, Pete. We're not going to talk about using the word co-host too many times in the sentence today. How's it going, Pete? I'm, I'm all good, thanks, mate. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You know, we keep talking about like how much we're enjoying this and stuff, but I still feel so dumb saying some things when we get started. I'm not going to lie. Like, it just feels so awkward for the first like 30 seconds and whatever. Who cares? Yeah. And if, if you don't know what we're talking about, go and listen to the first three minutes of last week's show because we really went into this. <laughs> there, uh, I'm not going to name it, but there used to be a very large podcast that I listened to all the time. And the intro would sometimes be like 15 minutes long because then they had like commercials and messages from our sponsors. None of it was like, you know, produced. It was just them talking and, and that's cool. But like, I just made a habit to skip 15 minutes to every podcast every time I started that. And I'm saying that hoping that people aren't doing that for us. I really hope they aren't. <laughs> well, yeah, I should hope I should. I, I'd hope not. I'd hope not. But, you know, I, I realize, I mean, we, we do have an ad role that run, runs at the start of every every episode. We can't deny. I mean, people, fair point. But, some, but we're not, you know, selling vitamins or something. You know what I mean? We're selling WordPress SEO services. I mean, who doesn't want to listen to that? Well, and you know what? If uh, you'll be able to tell if that ad's not working, because we'll switch it for an ad to sell vitamins. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> In the future. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a gauge on how well our business is going. Check out the ads at the start and end of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something if we're doing a show about SEO and WordPress and our, our ads are just nothing? I hear that sometimes, too. You listen to something and you're like, I, lawn services? We're... Okay. All right. I don't know how that affects my whatever. Well, you know, so we, we host the show on Captivate FM and uh, I actually know the guy that founded Captivate. He lives in Sheffield where, where I live. Oh, and really? uh, yeah, yeah, he does. And um, I've met him a couple of times and uh, well, the fact that I know him is completely irrelevant to what I'm going to say. That was just a name drop. So Mark, if you're <laughs> listening, I've now, I now want uh, an increase in my commission, please. Um, but uh, no, the... no, you just get the cool points for name dropping them. That's all you get today. <laughs> but they recently, I say recently, it was probably about seven or eight months ago, changed their, the ad roles. So basically you can now subscribe to um, like affiliate ad platforms through oh, the host so they just kind of inject them in there for you yeah so, so exactly like youtube ads work you know where they know where there's peak uh peak listens almost or where, where there's peak breaks to to put an ad in it will just insert an ad into your into your um podcast and you can there's two ways you can do it you can either just let it be automatic and the ad just appears wherever the ad appears or you can put markers in the show when we upload it to say, right, well, at these timestamps, that would be an appropriate point to, to put ads. And I think you can put four in, I might be wrong with that, but you can put a number of them in. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, as, as much as I love Mark, as much as I love Captivate, Captivate FM, I will not be putting those automated ads because you literally have no control over, you know, and, and yeah, let's talk about something from SEO and then have an ad about erectile dysfunction appear in the middle of it. It just doesn't, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I see the reasoning there. 
I'm going to, I haven't used this, so I don't know, but I, um, I'm going to hope that they might get some sort of like criteria, some like, you know, categorization on that, that you can implement or, or some sort of algorithm things. Cause I mean, you know, you theoretically could have that same thing doing like Google AdSense or YouTube or whatever, but they've, they've had the time to work on algorithms and, yeah. you know, logging all of your data through every activity online and all that stuff. So, you know, which yeah you know, it's always a weird topic, but like, I think it's generally a good thing. Cause I'd rather, I'd rather see ads that are in my interest than, you know, <laughs> mail, whatever. <laughs> the not. Not. <laughs> yeah. The not. <laughs> no, I, I th- th- there may be more to it than that. I, I honestly can't say I've looked into it. I just, just, it, it came to mind as a, as a feature. Anyway. We, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's maybe move on from, from we, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Does this now mean I have to mark this podcast as only suitable for adults? <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't no. know. Anyway. But anyway, hey, can you anyway, bring us back on track. What are we talking yeah, about today? Back on track. Well, I, a little bit before that, though, I just want to say thanks for everybody who is subscribing into your podcast podcast player of choice, excuse me, and has subscribed and or liked us on YouTube. Appreciate it very much. Um, if you are watching on YouTube today, you will see that Pete and I decided to uh, dress the same. I just realized. So we are very matchy matchy today. And these are very bold color choices, but um, but yeah, we just had to I had to inject that before we moved on to the real meat of the conversation today. The, 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 the bromance is real. What can I say? <laughs> I was you were talking. I'm going. Hey, that's what I'm wearing today. I'm wearing orange and gray too. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I haven't I haven't gone for the mic muff, uh, the orange mic muff yet. You're you're even on brand there. Oh yeah, I do have that. That's pretty good. That's pretty on brand. I showed up to the random story. I showed up to the golf course once wearing this and I have a golf bag that matches and just unrelated just happens to be these two colors. My dad and his friends made fun of me so much for being that matchy matchy guy on the golf course. And I was just like, it is 35 degrees out here. You're not going to make fun of me for wearing a hoodie. Okay. Be quiet. Like. <laughs> So, right, now we've done that. Jeff, bring us back on track. What are we talking about today? <laughs> Jeff's ADHD story of the podcast. Hey. <laughs> well, today, you know, we've, we've kind of glossed over it. We've mentioned it. We, t- we hint about it. We rant about it. But I want to talk about core web vitals today. Um, maybe talking a little bit more of the specifics because these are things that, I mean, we were talking before, even a lot of them, sometimes the acronyms just go over my head. I know exactly what they are, but I start looking at them on a report and you know, you're like, Oh my goodness, where do we even start? So yeah, I just thought we would talk about that and we would uh, see if we can maybe put some, uh, some suggestions uh, to make improvements in your guys' processes in place and things like that. Cool. Cool. So first of all, I guess we should sort of start by just outlining why core web vitals exist and what's the point in them and if if you haven't heard of them before essentially that they're like six metrics that google uses to score a website um from a user experience point of view but using quantifiable data i think that's probably the the best way of explaining what they are or what their purpose is so it's a great way to explain it well, thank you. Um, it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like trying to put a number on something that ordinarily wouldn't have a number on it, and creating a score out of it. Um, and there's six of them. So if we very quickly, I do have them joined down because I, I know that when we're recording, we'll I'll forget one of them. Um, so we have uh, first contentful paint. So that 
is how long it takes the first item to load, the first major asset to load. That's not time to first byte, which would be the first byte of information that's received by the browser, but the first big asset, so either image or um, uh, video or whatever it might be, whatever's you know what, whatever's a substantial asset. Normally, it isn't to do with text and uh, and like HTML and that kind of stuff. But how long does it take for that thing to start loading? You also have something called largest contentful paint, which is how long it takes the biggest asset to load. So whatever the biggest thing is, however long, how long does that take? And they're both, well, look, all of these are, are timed in time, funny enough, the, the value is time. Um, the real, on the largest content, largest contentful paint, see, I can't even say it. <laughs> we could call it LCP and FCP, but which is how most people do it. But yeah, that doesn't, we can't dive straight into acronyms on a podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> that That is the one that I guarantee everybody listening to this show has has seen fail if you have a client with a slider plugin on their website. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's not go into naming and shaming Rev Slider on the uh, show, shall we? Well, most of them, <laughs> nine out of 10 of them, but still, but the, I'm using that more as a visual thing. You can just think, you know, it takes up the whole page at the top. It's the largest thing on the page. And if it takes the longest, you're getting penalized. If it takes a long time to load. And actually, you're touching on a good point here, because even though we've only mentioned what two of them are, the vast majority of these are stuff you can see. It's it's quite obvious. You know, when you understand that the six of these things that Google's using to measure experience, and these are the six, I'm going to say at least four of them, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Um and then there's one of them that can become the bane of your life, which we'll get onto at the minute. Um, so you've got uh, you've got first contentful paint, largest contentful paint. You then have uh, time to interactive. So that is how long from hitting the enter on the keyboard, hitting that key, that enter stroke, to the page being usable by the user. And ideally, that should be under two and a half seconds. Um, I don't think you actually get penalized if it's up to three seconds, but two and a half is the number they put on it. Um, you then have something called speed index, which is how quickly the elements of the page are visibly being populated. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's loaded. It is still loading, but actually the user can uh, interact with it. And alongside that, you then have something called cumulative, cumulative layout shift or LS, L, CLS even, uh, which uh, and cumulative layout shift is, you know, you know how if you load a site and you're on a slow connection or maybe you're on like one bar of 4G in the middle of nowhere and as the page is loading you can see like the text loads quite quickly and then as the images load the text moves around because images are loading in in places so they so you know so essentially they're pushing the text around that is cumulative layout shift now that's the only one of these that isn't measured in time uh, it is given a score uh, i don't know what the scale of the score is but it's supposed to be under 0.1 0.1 somethings and uh if it's over 0.1 somethings then you get uh then you know it it has recommendations to improve it and then the final one which is the one that becomes the bane of our lives and uh we'll we'll go through these in a bit more detail or go through some techniques with some of these in, in a minute but is total time blocking. So this is to do with the way that the JavaScript is loading. And that's why it's the bane of your life, because you can't always see it in the background. And particularly if it's, it maybe loads in the header on every page of your website, but if it's not active on that page, you maybe don't even know it's there. Um, so you have to, uh, yeah, you have to make sure that 
uh, that the JavaScript isn't blocking itself. Scripts aren't blocking themselves for too long um, because that can have, you know, JavaScript obviously interacts with the user, uh, with elements that the user can see. So it doesn't, they don't want it to have a negative impact on the user elements, essentially. And that is your six. Right, I'm Are done now. The rest of the episode's over to uh, Jeff. <laughs> Are your heads exploding yet? <laughs> No, if uh, I may just have lost anybody that's listening, thinking, "Oh God, he's just going to list things for the next thirty-five <laughs> minutes." So, no, the six of them—that's them. There we go. I, so. it, I, I'm surprised that you pointed out that the CLS metric isn't a time score, and I guess I've just never noticed that. I've never paid you know enough attention to that very specific thing. Whereas, obviously, we approach CLS and we just get it to pass. Like that's—that's that's the goal: is make sure it's not failing. But I'm like, I'm thinking, what is point one i don't know what does that even mean how do you quantify that what do you what does that mean so i mean think, thankfully the test say yes or no <laughs> i know i'll be honest with you that it wasn't until i started the sentence in this podcast that i thought i don't know what this is not point one off <laughs> <laughs> so i just thought i'd be honest and 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 just include that there so it, it, yeah cumulative layout shift is just a number uh total time blocking is in milliseconds and the other four are all in seconds so that's that's the and they all have their own limits and and this that, and the other which as I say we can we can get into, um. But largely speaking, the largely speaking, if you have your stack set up correctly and your go live process sorted out, then at least four of these items you can kind of bake into your your dev process, so you don't really need to worry about them too much. That's not me saying you shouldn't check them, but actually you should be relatively confident that most of them aren't uh, aren't going to affect you and then there's then there's another couple which you may want to just be aware of to do something about um so where where do you want to start how do you want to how do you want to broach this from here jeff well i kind of wanted to you, know, you mentioned something funny not funny but you mentioned that um you know if you kind of if you think about these and you can put them into your process you can kind of eliminate them even happening you know when you launch that site and finding out about it so that's you know the best way to go about it probably i think a lot of people launch the site and then run them through a checks and go uh-oh we got things to fix and that's you know i mean yeah if, if you're there you've got to do it and you should do that check but wouldn't it be nice to be able to cross these things off before you even get to that stage and never have to go down this path um Absolutely. and that's and not tooting my own horn or tooting our own horn or anything like that but that's what we've seen this year and it's that as we've you know transitioned away from how do I how do I put this? But I guess we're not we're not we're doing some builds these days, but we're kind of trying to do builds for clients or agencies that are kind of streamlining their services rather than going through the full traditional like here's your design, you know, having a graphic designer build a layout and stuff, and you know, do you approve this? Okay, now we're going to build your content. Do you approve this? Okay, now we're going to build it, and oh, it's not like what we designed. I know a lot of people have been in that situation before multiple times, but so as we've done this rather than, okay, what content do you have? What branding do you have? And then we build a site from that. We launch it and we, or before we launch it, we run these tests and we say it's passing everything. And it's kind of like, man, aren't we smart? It's like, well, no, all we really didn't do was break it. Like these things will work <laughs> more or less out of the box. So if yeah. you launch a site and you're seeing these, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but somebody probably did something that's not ideal. And that could be, you know, like we we're talking about the using a slider or something, you know, any major JavaScript, jQuery heavy things, you know, those can not that you can't improve them by any means, but those are usually ones that cause these things to fail right off the bat. 
and usually get that, you know, SEO freelancer to let you know there's a bad report on speed test and you've got to fix all this stuff. Yeah. Now, just before we go into maybe some techniques in a second, there is another thing I, I kind of want to mention touching on that point, which is that if you're building your site in WordPress, depending on the tools that you're using, some of the tools may address some of these issues. And therefore, you've got to be quite careful that if you're putting solutions in place, that you're not doubling up, like you're not having two things trying to fix the same thing, because that can essentially affect the load time. You know, if you've got... Um, What's jumping out at me, for example, is I know that some of the builders, uh, the thing I mentioned about cumulative layout shift, assets moving around the page, a number of the page builders actually set the dimensions of the, the image placeholders in the source code. So that even if the image doesn't load, if it's or if it's either just delayed or if you've lazy loaded it, the the text is already in the place it should be as if the image was in it in situ, right? So if you've then, if your theme does that or your page builder does that, and then you go and get another plugin in something like Perf Matters or your your image optimizer, your image optimizer or your CDN, because then normally the places where that would address cumulative layout shift. Essentially, what all you're really doing at that point is doubling or tripling up the the sort of fix, which isn't necessary. It only needs to be fixed once, and that's what's going to get you the the quickest time. I'm not saying it's going to break it or be ridiculously so but if you're trying to build something that's optimized and efficient you need to understand what is dealing with which of these so that you don't double it up that's all i'm trying to say yeah and kind of on on that same note you also have to be careful when you put these uh fixes in place so we haven't really talked about fixing them yet but a lot of times like um is it perf matters that you can um you can hide a lot of the scripts and stuff that aren't being used and so what I've seen happen several times is people will go through and they'll remove all the scripts that aren't needed on the homepage, which admittedly they shouldn't have been on the homepage because they weren't being used, but they do it to the whole site, you know, by default and then find out, well, the, you know, contact form plugin isn't working or some other, you know, opt-ins deeper in the site that you don't look at when you're running the speed tests. You know, those things have trickle down effects when you start eliminating scripts and all that stuff like Yes, you need to do it, but you also need to be super careful and don't go ripping things out and then not checking every other feature because a lot of them use the same script libraries or JavaScript libraries and, you know, various resources like that. Well, and, and that is a very good point because your speed test isn't site-wide. Your speed test is URL specific. Mm -hmm. So you should really be testing this on a number of pages within your website. If you've built the web, we, we were just joking before, uh, we were having a bit of a chat before the show, and uh, we were talking about how you, you in particular were working with somebody that was proposing that they weren't using a template to build like a 96-page website. So you're going to have 96 individual pages rather than maybe half a dozen templates. And, and it, was the, it was the same layout. It would have been perfect for one template, yeah. yeah there you go. So... Um, uh, so yeah, if you're, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, oh no! Yeah, so if you're doing this, you should at least be running a speed test on at least one of every template that's in the in the site. Like, and, and I realise that you know you can choose one where the images aren't quite as uh, aren't quite as big as on other pages or this that and the other. It's still not a rule of thumb, but as a minimum, that's really what you should be doing. Um, because yeah, these tests are page specific, not site wide. So 
just something that, else that's a really good suggestion and honestly i'm gonna take that and add it to my process because we'll we'll do that on we look at it from a slightly different standpoint and we will test the high priority pages the ones that we know customers are going to or they're you know things like that that need to be used but it makes great sense to also run your template because that theoretically could be a vastly different framework than your home page or your other pages you know you could have built a layout that has something totally different so that's a really that's a really good tip so uh, right let's get let's get on to a few a few tips with these now generally speaking the first contentful paint and the largest contentful paint generally they're to do with images i would say um unless you would disagree mr patch no, I think that's pretty accurate. I'm trying. I was. I'm sitting, trying to think of like an example off the top of my head, and I, you know, the slider, like I was talking about, but that's an image or video, same thing. So yeah, yeah it's going to be large graphical elements typically. Actually, there's a there's a there's a very good point. Video. Let's uh, let's just touch on that uh, a sec. Um, right. Where do you stand on WordPress hosted videos? I don't do it. We just don't. You said that. We okay. didn't check I don't this want to... before. No. Before <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now I, I have a feeling you're going to elaborate on something else. But okay, we very, 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 very rarely will upload a video to the WordPress site. Couple times we have because it's like literally a 600k video that's just a loop in the background or something, and there's you know they don't want the whatever shift or flash that might come if YouTube was pulling it up, and, and these things change all the time, so ah, you know it's hard to it's hard to say. Um, but generally speaking, if there is a video that is intended for somebody to watch, I recommend somebody put it on YouTube or Vimeo or a CDN. Um, and I can I can keep I can keep elaborating on some of the whys and stuff no, like that. But the biggest no, no. thing is get it off your site. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I fully agree. And whilst whilst this isn't the WP server show, it is I think it's key for people people to understand that a web ser- web servers that we use these days are exactly that. They are web servers. They are there to they're designed to serve web files quickly and efficiently to the user. And the vast majority of these virtual cloud platforms that we use, whether it's Cloudways or RunCloud or DigitalOcean or whatever it might be, that's that's what they are. And a lot of devs, a lot of agencies have now grasped the fact that they're web servers, so they're not email servers. So instead, you use another service to deliver transactional email, like SendGrid or Postmark or Mailgun or whatever it is. And that, that's being grasped and taken and is absolutely fine. It's kind of the same with video. Crunching video and delivering it efficiently through, you know, over the air, through a, you know, through a weakening web connection is a very difficult and server intensive thing to do, particularly if you've got a site that's got hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of concurrent users. And web, they're the kinds of things that will just eat the resource of web servers and the site will fall over. So by using something like YouTube or Vimeo or Wistia or uh, bunny.net or whatever it is, you, you can choose where you, you know, how you want to set the stack up, but just get it off your web server because your web server isn't isn't designed for that. But when I was a, a dev working at an agency, so we're talking 14 or 15 years ago, we had uh, 
we were building a series of sites for a, a, the charity commission in the UK and they wanted to host video on theirs and didn't want to use a service. I mean, we didn't have as many options as we do now, but they didn't want to host it on YouTube essentially. And uh, so we quoted them an Adobe, I forgot what it was called, an Adobe something server. I've forgotten the name. Anyway, it was going to be $3,000 a month for the, for the server to be powerful enough to do everything it needed to do with the video and keep on serving the website. So it was just, at that point, it was like, yeah, we don't care that much. We will put it on YouTube. And I imagine that's not even taking into account the traffic and everything you'd be seeing in a few months mm. and where you'd have yeah. to go from there. Hey, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So just, just anyway. Yeah. So that's kind of had this conversation on a call last week with one of our customers and, you know, they were, they said they had a client who was uploading video and they were like, you know, explaining it to them. And I, and I said, it's, you know, the one thing you see when you go on YouTube, right? You cook play, boom, you're watching that video. The quality may not be perfect yet. In 10 seconds, it's going to be HD, but like right off the bat, you're getting the video in an instant format. When you do it on your website, it has to download all that video. It doesn't stream it the same way. You know, YouTube and Vimeo and all these, you know, they've got their own streaming services and stuff like that. And it crunches a video and it's mind blowing. Like I'm not a professional video editor, but I've been doing it a long time and I have a decently powered PC here. It could take hours to render a video in, in HD, let alone 4K sometimes. And you can upload that to YouTube. You can, first of all, you can upload it faster than you can render it. And then it will render and, you know, they'll optimize it and they'll do all this stuff on there faster than you could ever render it on your computer. And it is absolutely mind blowing. And so I just said, let them do it for us. Like, let them, you know what I mean? They have, they've got this amazing system and they'll do it. And, you know, potentially we're not going to talk about it now, but actually a good, good uh, topic idea for the future is actually using uh, YouTube and everything to kind of benefit your website's SEO. But, you know, there's kind of a trickle down effect too there. So there's benefits to it beyond just improving your website speed or not hindering it rather. So assuming that you're not hosting, self-hosting video, that would take that asset type out of the largest contentful paint and first contentful paint metrics. So what are your sort of tips? What are your best practices on the delivery of images, which is going to affect these two things? Well, uh, one, obviously you need to optimize them. Um, and again, not to take a lackadaisical approach, but WordPress is doing a much better job with this with JPEGs these days. Um, mm -hmm. They also resize them down to like 2560 or something like that. So it's still very large, but it's usable. Um, in, in a perfect world, you'd run something like short pixel or smush or, you know, there's all kinds of different image optimization plugins. And these are great because when you've got clients accessing them, uh oh, Pete's laughing at me for something. No, when, I was when just thinking got, about you. Oh, you that way. You. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> when uh, when clients are using them, you know, you you can't expect them to optimize their images. You can't expect them to crop them. You can't expect anything. You know, you could try, but trust me, it ain't gonna happen nine times out of ten. So you put these in place, and you know, you can throw anything up there. Yeah, it doesn't. If your if your client's taking ten megabit files off, or megabyte files off their phone and uploading them, the plugins will take care of that. So here's here's the thing I find is that I found that I'm now if you've got this stuff set up properly, I'm now telling clients how what size their images should be over rather mm -hmm. than what size their images should be under. Yeah. You know, we you can, can deal with down. an image that you put in that's too big, but we can't scale it up if it's too small. Yeah. Yep. 
So, I had this conversation about an hour ago with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, one last thing before we move off off images. Um, where do you stand on declaring image sizes in your theme? Um, where do I stand? This is like you're making these sound political. Like I'm running well, for are word you the or WordPress you office. Come on, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not going there on this podcast. Uh, well, okay. To answer your question specifically, well, as specifically as possible, I don't think we typically do that in the theme. I could see how you could, how you would. It's just not part of our process now. But um, what I do is in in WP Rocket. That's one of the options is to to have it set. And um, I know that we would we would do that all the time unless it was Divi up until recently because for some reason it wasn't compatible with Divi for a long time. But I think it is now. Um, and it does, it helps the, the CLS big time, big time having those in there. And you, I mean, you see it even with the fast connection, you load a website and it, even if it only takes a second, boing, 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 things pop up. That's not good. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all, but that's what Google's checking. That's just, that's the web core vitals right there. Core web uh, vitals. Okay. Look, mixing up the words already. You see, okay. Yeah. So I see where you're coming from. So I meant declaring image sizes in like functions. So that oh, when you gotcha. when you upload it, WordPress makes maybe uh, half a dozen, a dozen versions uh, yeah, of the image. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the various crop sizes and stuff like that. Um, I mean, when it's necessary, yeah. I mean, you know, if there's a specific, um, a specific one, a lot of the tools now are soft cropping images through CSS, which is really helpful. So that's that's like really great being able to just say, hey, we want all of our featured images you know, in a three by two or a 16 by nine for orientation. And then it doesn't matter. It just displays that in a grid and it, you know, zooms it in to fit. And it, and it, that works so much better than trying to stretch them and do all that store. Yeah. Different sizes. And yeah. No, I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. And actually the, the benefit of having tools that do work in ratios, of course, helps with your, helps with your responsive elements so that mm -hmm. stuff just looks the same regardless of the, height or width of the screen or whether it's one column or two or three or whatever it might be yeah um, like so. we would set up sites right and we'd have five or six pages and we'd get all the images from the designer or the client and heroes you know they could be any size but very commonly they're 16 by 9 they're you know letter like a like a widescreen television that's a very common size it fits well with screens blah 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 um and so you know for like sometimes we wouldn't set that we were, those are just the images we we're using and they filled the space perfectly and great and then you hand it off to the client and they would upload a, a portrait image of you know their their front desk coordinator on her bio page and it's like okay you got to scroll four screen links until you get to the bottom of it <laughs> so yeah it's nice when you can just crop that and then it just crops their nose like this if they use that <laughs> type of picture but at least then it's really obvious what's going on <laughs> yeah i mean look you, the, you're not gonna there is a point that you're going to get to where you cannot stress enough to a client to not put a portrait picture in a landscape hole or vice versa and stop them from doing it. At the end of the day, they're the squidgy organic human sat in the chair. If they're going to try and chuck the wrong size image in, they're going to try and do it. But you, you can, there's certain things we can do to try and try and make it better. Most of the time. I actually you, just look, noticed, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you can only be as good as the weakest link. And if that weakest link is the squidgy organic human in the chair, well, then, yeah. <laughs> you sound like, uh, <clears throat> speaking of uh, living in Sheffield, you sound like one of Doctor Who's villains right now. <laughs> hey, I hasten to add, some of Doctor Who was filmed less than 10 miles from where I'm yep. sitting right now. 
there are many I've been, every time i was watching i just caught up on all of that there were many references to sheffield and yeah. so one of the girls goes i'm from sheffield mate and it's like well, i don't know what that means but okay cool <laughs> she's from sheffield mate come on man what are you thinking like <laughs> that, means, that means she's local what are you talking about and and another claim to fame uh the quarry scenes in the latest mission impossible film were filmed also in the peak district which is about it's a bit further away from where doctor who was filmed about 12 13 maybe 14 miles from here and uh, it was at the at the end of the garden of somebody i went to university with in fact during one of their filming breaks, their kids were looking over their garden fence into this field that goes out towards the quarry. Tom Cruise's helicopter landed. He came over and said, hello. Check that out. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm just dropping the names all over all over the place in this episode. Uh, we're, not okay. worthy. we're not worthy. Okay, before we move <laughs> on to that, the image, we're still talking about the image size real fast, but I saw something. We were talking about... Um, you know, client kind of being the weakest link, they're going to upload what they're going to upload. I noticed this last night and it's probably been there for years. So feel free to laugh at me guys. Um, but in ACF in the image field, when you set one up into your template or whatever, um, you can put restrictions on the type of, or the size of images you upload. So you could put, you know, must be 500 pixels wide. And I mean, I've done that in a, actually you've probably seen on SEO hive. I've done that like in little notes on some of our custom fields of like, Hey, we recommend you use this size, but you can actually make that a requirement. So if they upload something that's only 500 pixels wide, you know, it'll air out and say, sorry, you need to do, you know, wider or whatever the specifics are. But I thought that was pretty cool. And yet another way to try to make it as foolproof as possible. Absolutely. It's a shame they can't say, like, must be a minimum of 500 pixels wide and must be wider than it is tall. Well, you might, would... you might be. I imagine you could probably set that up I, I i didn't spend enough time looking at it, but i i think there's probably a okay. something okay I, could, well, I mean you could you could figure out whatever the minimum for 500 pixels wide would be and that would be your minimum for the visible for the height yeah i suppose yeah. i suppose uh right so let's i feel like we've done a bit of a kind of it's been a bit scattergun but a bit of a sort of media image video-y type section now uh so let's let's because there is more to this than just images and videos well it's simple and, you put all the javascript at the top of your page and you're done <laughs> yeah put it put it all at the top of the page right do you want to go through your thing about deferring javascript um <clears throat> we generally will flat out just defer the javascript usually works fine but then of course we have to go back and check because you never know <laughs> you never know Deferring it is usually fine. Delaying it has a lot of problems quite often. And I've seen the biggest one on mobile. Have you ever seen, you know how some sites will have a, like a loading icon or something like that? Yeah. So I, well, that was, those, that was the old school way of getting around this. Yeah. I, I don't know why people use it, but I still see it a lot. And I have worked on sites a lot with it. It loads and it just keeps loading and loading and loading and loading and loading. And we've got these emails. And we're going and checking and it loads fine. And we realize if you hit enter and then you don't touch your phone, it never sees input and it never tells the website to load the JavaScript. <laughs> on a computer, it's not that big of a deal because you're moving your mouse around and, and that triggers it. But on the phone, sometimes you'll hit enter and you will not touch your phone and it just sits there. And so that's just, you know, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's more of a more of a cautionary tale, I suppose, and a tip to improve your speeds. But. No, no, tell me about it. I, I've had, just like you've had some discussions with clients about some of this stuff already, 
I'm currently in a email table tennis exchange with a client of ours who um we've built this like interactive slider so there's there's a there's an svg on one side of the page with touch zones or hot zones over the top of it and depending on where you hover uh, where you touch the where you click on uh, the mouth uh, click on the the image it changes the slider to a specific slide of text i hasten to add no images uh, <laughs> of text uh, right next to it and it changes the background color and whatever to, to tie it with the section that you clicked on so it's like a pie chart thing with more information essentially um they have asked now four times whether we could do something else on hover and I've had to say no because you can't hover on a touch device. And it's like you know how many times I feel like I feel I they've literally they've replied I haven't I ha, it's, it's the ball is now in my court. I now need to reply to them. They've emailed again asking the same thing. And I feel like asking them to go in my reply going back to them and saying please hover your finger over your iPhone and tell me what you click on. Tell me what happens without touching it. Just get your phone and just hover your finger. Does anything happen? No, because you need to touch it. That is click. There is no hover state on mobile. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I love when when people have come up with ideas, and I, I do. I mean, like I genuinely love it. But then, as like somebody who has to then try to put it into action, you know, I got you have to go like, okay, you know, dear dear Joe the plumber, love you, bro, but you're not a web engineer. You're not coming up with ideas better than anybody else, right? Like that, that sounds like a good idea, but there's a reason it doesn't exist. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, yes, that you, you're dead right. The, the whole JavaScript thing, deferring it is generally okay, but please go and do, do your own uh, checks. So um, ideally you want your uh, total blocking time to be less than 150 milliseconds, which isn't long when you think that that includes your time to first byte and then loading the scripts. So it, yeah, you've, you, your blocking time needs to be quite limited, in which case deferring the JavaScript is um, a good way to, to reduce that within the page load. It's a little bit of a segue here, Pete, but it's funny that a couple years ago I saw um, when looking at reports and trying to action these things and trying to improve scores, the biggest factor that we could do would be fixing the images, just optimizing them, making them not, you know, be 10 megabytes of, of a web page look. And I'm seeing this less and less now. It's still getting scores in the 97, 98, passing all these core web vital tests. But then like a little warning that the page load is still pretty big. Like we've got one client that just they, they, lots of images and a lot of transparent pings for their design. So they're just inherently massive. And their whole front page is like nine megabytes. And to me, like, it's, oh my gosh, like I'm like, no, like it should not be that big. That's, oh, it drives me nuts. But it's getting, it's, it's passing like with flying colors. And I'm just like, okay, so I guess Google's finally accepting that everybody's got broadband now and it doesn't make as much of a deal. But like, but two years ago, if your website was three megabytes, boom, it was failing. Like it was, yeah. it was just not going to load or I'm sorry, it wasn't not going to load, but it's definitely gonna be penalized. Yeah. And, and now less and less, I'm not saying ignore image sizes by any means, but it's kind of like I was earlier going, yeah, you know, we kind of let WordPress do their thing. And then we don't use a bunch of like overblown PNGs that usually is more than sufficient. Um, and I'm kind of interested. I'm, I'm very surprised to see that that tends, that seems to be, the data seems to be agreeing with that rather, which is mm. interesting. 
Yeah, well, that kind of brings us on to really the last two that we've got left, isn't it? Which is speed index and time to interactive. So the the speed index, as, as I said earlier, so this is kind of like how long it takes for the HTML and text assets to load. So not none of the media, the additional media stuff on top of that. But within that load, you have your initial JavaScript load, the time, the time blocking stuff that we've been talking about, and you have your style sheets. So whilst... Yet you're always going to get the biggest bang for your buck by optimizing your media hugely because you know nothing in code unless you've got a really badly coded website or I suppose yeah. exceptionally tiny images. Um, you're 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 they're always going to have the biggest impact. But when it comes up to things like speed index, i.e., stuff that doesn't include media, this is where things like minification come in, uh, which is essentially removing all of the spaces out of your style sheets and JavaScript documents. You do have to be quite, generally speaking, I would say style sheets are safe to do. We uh, we normally um, minified those uh, straight away. HTML is normally safe to do. Please test anything that you're minifying uh, just to make sure it hasn't broken anything. Don't say, oh, Pete said it would work, so it must be <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, you've got to test it. But generally speaking, those two are okay. Minifying JavaScript, though, can cause some issues, and that is really something to be to be careful about. Largely, it depends how how oh, well where the JavaScript's coming from. If you've coded all the JavaScript yourself and you understand it, you're normally quite safe to. If you've pre-compiled the JavaScript, so you're using something like Gulp to to compile it uh, through the dev process, then it'll absolutely be fine because you wouldn't have launched it if it wasn't. But if you're pulling in lots of JavaScript from lots of different plugins and they could be injecting the code onto the site in different ways, that's when you can get into a bit of hot water. So again, if you've got a general tech stack, you can play with this stuff and get a reasonable understanding of what's going to work for you and what's not. If, on the other hand, you're re relying very heavily on plugins, then it might be worth just either refraining from it or just running the test without it or running it with it and see what's breaking. But yeah, that, that's generally where I see you're going to get more of the issues. Agreed. And I kind of don't want to say anything else about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair I enough. Don't, no, no, no. I, I'm kidding. But I don't, I don't want to be judged for saying this, but I normally don't bother with those. And it's just because it has introduced so many problems. And I, everything you said is spot on, especially like like CSS usually fine, HTML is usually fine. JavaScript is where it gets sketchy. But it just, the reality of, I guess, our arrangement with clients and agencies is, is, I mean, we're managing hundreds of websites. And so if we go, you know, hardcore and, and put all those in, and then the client goes and adds a plugin, we've created a, another support ticket for us. And it didn't really make a big enough difference to justify it. So, you know what I mean? It was just like, all right, we got to, we got to try a little more carefully with the way they work in theory. Yeah. It should be minimized. I think best practice, like you mentioned, like with gulp, right? If you, everything is compiled specifically for that, then perfect. Yeah. I mean, look, the, we, we, we getting back to a point. I was going to ask you about how you how you've experienced doing this on a, a larger scale, but I'm aware we're 42 minutes into this episode, so maybe that's a a separate topic for a separate day. Um, but we are verging round the uh, the topic here that SEO is really a, a displacement exercise. So if you are struggling to optimize some of this stuff, and just the report for your site is 
it's not bad, but it's not brilliant. There's room for improvement. And you're struggling to get it any higher. There's absolutely nothing stopping you going and crawling or scanning the 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 first two or three websites in the SERPs and seeing what their results are. Mm-hmm. Because if they're only scoring a, a, a grade C or D and you've got yours to a B, well, hey, that's great. That's that's job done. It doesn't matter if you get to an A. You're already in, in front of them for this metric. I'm not saying that just core web vitals will make you rank above them. But this whole SEO piece is it's a displacement game. In order for you to rank in top, uh, in place one, everybody else needs to shift down one and you because you have displaced them so you just need to be better than the competition you don't necessarily need to be uh you know uh, a star 100 percent all of the time um and i think that's that that's that's a key you, you've got to understand the context of the the fight that you're you're in i think that's really what yeah. i'm trying to say with yeah that. what's that cliche like you know aim for the stars and hit the moon or something i don't know i'm probably butchering that but <laughs> What is it? Help me out. I feel so stupid right now. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> Come on. That's a thing. Don't make me Google it. Some weird Californian thing where you're smacking the moon. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I think I think I made the moon. Man, you can make me want to Google it right now. I don't want to do it in the middle of the podcast. Though, but, oh, God, I feel stupid. Somebody somebody write in the comments what, this, what I'm trying to say here. We're not live. Nobody's going to write in the comments. The only person in the comments is me. Yeah, well, I'll see it later. I still want to. I'm oh, not going to figure it out by then. I'll forget yeah, by then. Yeah. I'll forget by the time we finish recording this, but somebody will respond and correct me and i'll be like thanks uh, you know reach for the stars and you'll land on this i don't know land on the sun. that would be death <laughs> whatever uh anyway you know you should try but like you said yeah it's a displacement thing i i like to refer to it as a tiebreaker yeah that's a good that's a that's another good analogy you know yeah, that's another good way of looking and at it. so don't lose sleep it's important yes you should you should work on it yes you should apply these principles yes don't lose sleep over it not, not generally. Not unless <laughs> that your competitors have aced these things and they are important. Therefore, yeah. you you need to, yeah. But I, I, I can't tell right. you how, and I'm saying this as an SEO guy now, but like I can't tell you how many times I've gotten emails from like you know SEO freelancers for clients, and they're going, "Well, hey, it's you know we need to get the CLS to to 99." It's like it's at 98. It's fine. Like it's <laughs> it's fine. But how much are you? How much time can we apply to this? And what's the budget? And like, oh no, you should just have it done. Well, okay. <laughs> Well, I think I think that brings us to to a bit of a wrap um, on on this. Uh, I hope hope you found it useful. I think the only other thing that we need to say, well, we need to say two things. Firstly, we want to thank our listeners who have joined us so far on this journey. We've now done fifteen episodes. This is episode number fifteen, and we've had a bit of a blast. We do have some other kind of ideas that we want to go with the show, but we we wanted to get a sort of bedrock of episodes in that were just me and Jeff just getting to getting some banter going, talking about some of the big issues, some of the things that we think would add most value to agencies. And it's been a blast for the last 15 episodes. So we're going to be keeping on. This isn't goodbye. This is we're, we're, we're going to be around in the new year, but we are going to take a break for a couple of weeks uh, over, over Christmas and new year. Um, and so we want to say thank you to everybody that's listened, that sent us messages of support, that subscribed, that's, you know, um, commented on things and joined us, or, you know, shared on social media, all that kind of stuff. It really does. Mm-hmm. It genuinely, genuinely from, well, I'm speaking for myself, I was going to say from both of us, but it really does mean a lot. You know, we're not a huge show. We don't have massive following. So every time it pings and somebody has shared something or commented or liked or subscribed, it it really does give us the feels. Um, 
so thank you for that. And the second thing is to say that uh, we will be back in January with some more shows, but we do want to wish everybody an exceptionally happy Christmas and New Year or holidays, whatever you believe in and whatever this period of the year is. Make sure you get some downtime. Make sure you get some rest. Get some recharging going. And uh, we will be with you in the new year. Amen. Pete said it. That's that's great. We thank you guys so much. And we are very much looking forward to the holidays and uh, picking things back up in the new year. Have a good one, everybody. Uh, we should have done this in Christmas. Jump- no, actually, that would have dated the episode thinking about it. Although now we've, if, we've just dated the episode by wishing everybody happy Christmas. So, That's true. Um, yeah, we, maybe this should have been orange and gray Christmas jumpers. I don't know if I've <laughs> I have a those. couple really good uh, ugly holiday sweaters. <laughs> Only one's offensive. <laughs> yeah, let's let's then I definitely would have to censor this for adults. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, everybody. We'll see you soon. SEO stack. The WP SEO Show is brought to you by SEO Hive, your agency's proactive white label SEO partner. We understand that finding a reliable SEO supplier is key to ensuring you build stable monthly recurring revenue into your digital agency. At SEO Hive, we have a suite of products that will help you sell, scale, and deliver your monthly SEO retainers, from our scout reports and one off technical boosters, to our flagship local SEO and honeypot plans all of which have clear pricing and monthly deliverables. If you want to explore how SEO Hive can help your agency deliver high quality and reliable SEO agreements for your clients, you can find more information at seohive.co and schedule a call to discuss the next steps.